of the Developing Strategy podcast. Last week, we discussed step four on our six question framework. And this week, we're moving on to defining what options are available for you as the strategist. In the end, the only thing that matters is coming up with the right option. So all the analysis we've been through in the previous episodes will be for naught if we don't get question five right, which is what are the options, just to reiterate. Um, So Dad, this is an important topic, clearly. Where do you want to start? Yeah, well, I think it's one where there's a lot of practical issues involved, which we'll get into. So, So let's start with getting you to talk about a project that you've done where you had to come up with some options. Perhaps you could describe one, mm. and then we're going to use that as a, as a sort of test case, if you like, of what techniques could you use uh, to make sure you've got the right list of options. Sure. So, so, so a few years back, we uh, had a strategy engagement with a fitness company. So these guys are UK-based, um, and they'd be focusing on, on kind of holding external fitness classes based on some established military training techniques in groups of sort of 10 to 30 people. And as part of our engagement, it was about reimagining the company and identifying new areas for them to focus on. So in the short term, we looked at um, problems with the current business. So, for example, the way it was organized, it was basically operating as a load of separate small um, gyms in parks. um, And there was a sense of needing to have a bit more cohesion. So we, we looked at some reorganizing objectives. We also thought of ways to develop the organization further down the line. So having a celebrity partnership or changes to the business model um so for instance one idea was kind of having a a large shipping container that could hold all of the gym equipment um, and you could position that in an urban location like top of a car park and then your gym would run out of that instead of having to take place in a park which can require like obviously a a fair amount of green space so yeah Hmm. um if that's helpful as a bit of a starter yeah yeah no that's good um so let's let's get into that because i think that illustrates several of the ways in which one can make sure you've got a good list of options Mm. i I mean in a way that the one that's most obvious is it just is obvious from the analysis you've done or the knowledge you have so you realize there was some kind of organizational issue and you came up with some organizational changes which, in other words, one strategy option here was to reorganize to improve the operations of the company, mm. which could also allow you to grow further and so on. And Yeah, that's true. I think that just some of the options were just obvious from yeah. diagnosing problems within the company, and that just presents in itself a range of options. But we also did some other things. So we, as part of the, the analysis, we we did case studies in international gym markets right, right. Um, and got some new ideas coming out of those. Can I pause you there then? Yeah. Because sure. that, that, that's the example of the second type of thing. So, so first of all, just once you know a business reasonably well, intuitively you can just spot what the options are. Mm. So we don't need a bunch of tools. We ask the question, what are the options? But we can just, we just know, we brainstorm them. Yeah. And obviously if there's a group of us, we, we brainstorm them together. But you can then add some more analysis to mm. perhaps add some new ideas or test your ideas. So, for example, you looked at international comparisons. Very mm. simple. But, and we'll talk more about the kind of analysis you could do that could add to what you already know. Third, I'm, I guess, I'm not sure if you mentioned this before, you probably talked to existing management. And yeah. So you involved people in the discussion. So it's not just about the analysis you do and the analysis of international markets yeah. and the organisation, but it's who you talk to, who you involve. Yeah, but For sure. Important. Yeah, no, I think... There's definitely a gulf between your first point, what's obvious to you, um, particularly as a consultant, but even as the CEO of that company, 
what's obvious to you and what's other, obvious to other people within the organisation. Let me try and summarise. Number one, you just intuitively know by the time you've done all this analysis and you've soaked in your business for a while, whether it's a two-week study as an outside consultant or a business you've been in for many years, you just should trust your intuition that you know the options. However, you can also do some extra analysis to challenge yourself and add new ideas. And third, you can involve some other people. Let's think about the kind of tools and techniques you can use. Were there any in particular you used or shall I kind of list my own? Yeah, I think to be honest, it was it was pretty reliant on that intuition. So mm. the certainly like it would have been great to have some more tools to brainstorm some options for the company okay. going forward. But there are quite a few and um, I cover them more in the book. But let me give you a couple of examples because they're kind of at opposite ends of a spectrum. So if you want to kind of refine the design of what you're doing, mm. the value curve, which we actually introduced in an earlier episode, which identifies what are the needs of the customer and how well are we delivering on each of those needs relative to a competition. You can also use that to think about new options. For example, I think you mentioned that you put some gyms into car parts, putting them into shipping containers. Mm. And as I understand it from our early discussions, that was partly because you wanted to be closer to where the customers were mm. because proximity is a really important thing for people in deciding which gym company to use. Yeah. So in a way, if you look at the value curve, you can just see, oh, well, proximity is important and mm. we're at this level. Why don't we try and do better on that? How could we do better on that? And then you might come up with ideas like, oh, well, we could actually locate our equipment in places that are very much in the in, inside urban areas yeah. so it's closer for people to access. Yeah, I think in general, like the fitness, fitness sector and gyms, like, I imagine would have innovated along those sort using those sorts of tools, right? Like low cost gyms have been a huge innovator in the last five, ten years in the UK and and actually that comes I imagine from looking at the back the customer value curve and saying, yeah. Well actually like these food and beverage adjacencies people don't really give a shit about. So yeah. we strip out the cost of that. Staff on site people don't care yeah. as much about we can strip out the cost of that and offer something for a much lower price. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I'm no, absolutely, track, you're right. But... And, and the people who wrote the book, um, Blue Ocean Strategy, who, who kind of highlighted the use of the value curve, and they give a whole approach to how to do it and how to think through a more enhanced value curve. Now, in my experience, that is useful, but it actually tends to come up with rather incremental changes because you're mm. always thinking about, well, what's our current value curve? How can we improve it? Right. There's a whole science to that. Read Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, it's really useful stuff, but it's one end of a spectrum. It's kind of mm. a solid way to improve our value proposition incrementally. At the other end of the spectrum, um, I think it can be very helpful to think of, well, what's the vision for this organization? Where could it be in 10 years? And forget about what we're doing today. Where would we like to be in 10 years' time? And that can make you think about a lot of things that you just won't think about if you think about the value curve, which is too incremental. So, for example, was there some way in which you had a vision about where this organisation should be going, which then informed mm. some of the options that you looked at? Yeah, so I think the, the, the company's sort of ownership were really keen to reinvigorate the big business in a general sense. And if this is too vague, let me know. But traditionally, it had been focused on military approaches and they're this super loyal mm -hmm. customer base right um, who've been with the, the the classes for ages but they were kind of struggling to attract younger and new customers so mm -hmm. there was a feeling that it just needed to be a bit hipper 
Um, and that's where some of these ideas about having celebrity <clears throat> partnerships and having oh, the okay. kind of cool urban gyms came in. Um, so yeah, I think I think well, that's a good idea because that was like a vision of somewhere you want to take the business. Yeah, exactly. maybe not ten years time because this is private equity, right? So it's probably <laughs> yeah. looking like I don't know two or three years time. But it's saying let's not just tweak with our current model. Mm. What would we? What would what would success look like if we we're looking back from three years, five years, yeah. ten years time? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I find that's very helpful yeah. and. Often with groups, I let them work on options using a more incremental tool like the value curve or just, you know, brainstorming. Um, and then I ask them to do something which is more vision led and say, right, where do you want this business to be in 10 years? And normally that triggers these more expansive options because it gives them a different way to look, look at things. Let's now talk more about people. So a, a critical way... Um, to improve your range of options is just to involve different people, perhaps in a particular kind of process. And I, I guess a question to put back to you is who mm. else did you talk to other than your internal consulting team to generate options about the business? Yeah, well, as I said, management were a really key right. um, group to forward to. And actually, Obviously, yeah. even kind of the, the investors in the business as well had okay. some really interesting backgrounds in, in fitness. Okay, that's um, good. But investors, we stakeholders also did, generally. Yeah, exactly. So we also did um, interviews with customers. So mm. just mm-hmm. launched a customer survey. So not interviews, but a customer survey. And that provided some really useful input on what, existing customer base actually wanted and then also just um it was always planned but we never quite did it which was interviews with people running the classes but also we could have we could have reached out more and we often do this on our projects to industry experts right um you know health and fitness academics or whatever um and then also like some of the interesting companies we found in in other countries they would have been cool to speak to as well so i think yeah it's interesting to think about dividing up the groups of people you could speak to and what you get from each of them. Because as you said, the existing customer base is going to give you a certain perspective that kind of gives you a certain number of options but might be a bit incremental. But right. if you spoke to someone in California, you might get a more transformative idea, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's generally seen as quite a pioneering space. Yeah, and I think there are, you know, you can get quite creative in this. I think I was mentioning that one, one idea I heard about, I think it was Unilever who did this. They took some senior people off to the Andes, to the mountains, mm. and looked at, you know, went into villagers' homes and asked them about their lives. And the idea was to involve future customers, you know, that Unilever wants to be serving this group of customers and people like them in develop, more developing countries, not just sort of stick with people in the US and mm. Europe, um, in more developed countries. So... They wanted their opinions and actually here the process, it wasn't just who you involved because they could have just done a customer survey. Um, they actually took their senior executives there so that the whole learning was, was more profound. So the, it's not just who you involve, but how you involve mm. them. And I think this, I've emphasized this a bit in this episode, but actually more generally, who you involve and the process you involve them is very important. So even during the anal- analytical phase of questions one two three and four that we've talked about so far you could think about well how often do we meet with a steering committee who's on that steering committee um should it include investors mm. as well as managers or customers um do we meet them in a way day where it's a brainstorming exercise or is it a more formal thing where we email them a pack of slides and 
then they grill us the next day. You know, what's the atmosphere we want? What's the ambience of the room? So there's lots of things you can think about in strategy to do yeah. with the people and the process, which we've kind of skipped over because we focus mm. more on the tools and the techniques. I've got a question for you. Yeah. On, on, on this episode, which does have a bit more of a kind of creative slant, I think, yeah. to some of the other steps on the framework. Um, to what extent will following this process through actually generate an exhaustive list of current options that are mm. available? Very good question. Um, well, first of all, you're absolutely right that, I, and sometimes I talk about this, the capabilities you need shift from being analytical, uh, data-driven, mm. to creative and visionary in this part of the process. So, um, however, I think if you think really hard about who to involve, the process to involve them, you use some of these tools and frameworks to challenge your own thinking so that you escape some of the biases you have. It is possible to come up with a comprehensive list of options that are available today. Um, so I have some trust that, you know, if you spend the time doing it, you'll come up with a good list of options. And actually, the problem is most people skip through this stage because mm. they're under pressure. Yeah. You know, they've got to finish the project. They just do it intuitively and they don't spend the time. And even you alluded to that. We'd like to have done. We could have spent yeah. more time talking to um, because it comes at the tail end of a project. Mm. However, what the, the, the problem is more, however much homework you've done, stuff will change over time and, and, and you won't see all the options at any one point in time. They will become revealed to you. So I think a good example is Apple in the music business that, Steve Jobs early on had a vision to get into the music business, which was actually a revolutionary idea because mm. these were tech companies in sort of Silicon Valley area. They didn't really get into music, but he'd been with Pixar, which is in the entertainment industry, more attached to L.A. And the music industry is, is very strong in L.A. as well. So he wanted to get in, but he didn't really know how to. So the options did not become clear until quite a lot of time had passed. So they did develop iTunes and then, then somebody came along with the idea of an iPod who pitched it to Apple. It wasn't their invention, if you like. And perhaps because they had focused on the general vision of being in music, they saw it. Ah, here's a new option for us. So I guess the learning from that is, A, no, not all the options are clear up front, mm. but you can get a good list of what's currently available if you work hard at it. But you better keep an eye out for new information that comes in and if you have an overall vision of where you're going generally which is if you like you've made some choices about the options you want to follow like get into the music industry that will focus your attention so maybe when the practical options come up you move faster than the other companies mm. to get them so you know it's about being the prepared mind yeah great there you go be steve jobs that's basically the message yeah, for yeah, that's right. <laughs> be, well, be one of the follow most his example. He was, yeah. he was, yes, I think he was probably one of the mm. best strategists of his day. Well, no, I think it's no, interesting no, and, and, and cool to, I guess, talk about something which is a bit more creatively minded. Yeah. Um, which is why Jobs is such a good example, right? But um, And why strategists need to involve other people because they're often the analytical mm, types, not the mm, creative types. Yeah, yeah. So... I think we'll wrap it up there and then next week we're maybe getting a bit more analytical again we've sort of brainstormed our options in this episode yeah um but next week we are thinking about which option of those that we've just talked about is the best um so hope everyone tunes in then uh, as always you can find more information on our website www.developingstrategy.com or our facebook page
Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>